Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where we sit down with content matter experts and discuss what is currently top on mind in the world of pharmacy. My name is Brittany Tashane, and in today's very special episode, we will be chatting with chair-elect of SSES, Nancy McDonald, and new practitioner, Joe Marciano, who will be sharing their plans for returning to in-person meeting coming up this December. We hope after today's episode, you will take away tips and advice that can help you make the most of your ASHP mid-year clinical meeting this year, which is coming up shortly from December 4th through 8th. Later on in the episode, we'll sit down with a few of this year's speakers who will provide us with a sneak peek of their presentations. I am always looking forward to mid-year, but I'm even more excited this year as we're able to return to an in-person meeting. I am very grateful that we have our guests here to help us navigate that experience. We will have tips for both our new practitioners and our seasoned ASHP members and everyone in between. But before diving into today's podcast, I'd like to ask your guests to please introduce yourself to the audience. Joe, why don't you start us off? Absolutely. Yes. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Joe Marciano, and I currently work as a lead clinical pharmacist in the geriatrics area at Summa Health in Akron, Ohio. And with that, I'm also in a shared faculty role as an assistant professor at the Northeast Ohio Medical University, or Neomed. In ASHP, I currently serve as the liaison between the new practitioners forum and the SCSS clinical leadership SAG. And so um, I'm really, really excited to share some of the experiences that I've had at the mid-year clinical meeting. In previous years, I had a chance to participate in some virtual interviews and as a resident interviewer uh, through PPS, in addition to having attended some of the previous in-person events as a student and new practitioner. So I'm really excited and thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Joe. We are happy to have you join us today. Nancy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well, please? Thanks for having me as a guest on this podcast, Brittany and Joe. It is an honor to be here and share my experiences with the other members. I currently work at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, Michigan. I am the coordinator of Transitions of Care, Emergency Preparedness, and the Pharmacy Resident On-Call Program. I'm also adjunct faculty for Wayne State University, Eugene Applebaum College of Pharmacy. Um, I've been involved with ASHP in various ways, just to name a few things. I started out by volunteering as a poster mentor and a CV reviewer, and then I was both a presenter and session moderator at mid-year clinical meetings. I was a member of a couple different SAGs, uh, first the SAG for preceptor development, and then I went on and applied for membership in the SAG on clinical leadership. During my time on the clinical leadership SAG, I served as a member, then secretary, and vice chairperson. I also participated as a panel member of the Practice Advancement Initiative 2030, and I recently served as a co-author of the updated ASHP guidelines regarding the role of the pharmacy workforce in emergency preparedness. I now serve as the chair-elect for the section. Uh, Last year's meeting was a little bit different than in the past, I have to admit, um, being virtual. I think we were all more familiar with doing virtual conferences and holding virtual interviews. Overall, I think things went rather smoothly, but I do think that there's a really 
strong need to be in person and see each other again and interact. Thanks, Nancy. And first, we just want to congratulate you on your new role as chair elect of SSCS. Um, are you able to share with the audience your experience in this role so far and what the audience can expect um, from the SSS executive committee um, in the upcoming year, what you guys are working on, and if you have any announcements from the group? Thanks, Brittany. It really is an exciting time for me. Um, I'm honored to have been elected for this position. There are so many qualified candidates out there. So right now, I'm really focusing a lot on learning a lot from Christy Jen, our current chair, and taking really good notes. Um, it's going to be hard shoes to fill. She does such a great job. In terms of what the executive committee is prioritizing for the year that you're going to see a lot of, even at mid-year, is um, certainly DEI, so diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also early development of careers in pharmacy for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. We are also prioritizing actionable items for the pharmacy workforce to be anti-racist and also elevating the pharmacy practice. For mid-year, what the executive committee would really like to remind people is, is that we need you to sign up to be a poster mentor. It's a great way to get involved in mid-year. Our students and our residents are really eager to talk to us about their, their research and get our feedback. It would be really good if you could do that. These are some, there are also some great networking sessions. So be sure to look at the schedule and make sure that you plan to attend some of those. Put them in your schedule so that you don't forget about them. You might have a tendency to think, yeah, I'd like to go. But sometimes we find that if things aren't in our schedule, we might just not show up or think, oh, we'll just skip that one because it's not that important. But mid-year is so much about networking that make sure that that's on your schedule. Thanks so much, Nancy. That is great tips for our audience. Um, we are looking forward to hearing more about your experience as you go through your chair elect year and next year as chair. And we'll also be sure to link those information in the show notes uh, for those who would like to be a poster member. Um, so you can refer to that in the show notes after listening to this podcast. Um, but thank you, Nancy. We are very lucky to have you on the podcast um, to chat about the upcoming mid-year. So why don't we dive into our first question? After returning to an in-person mid-year after two years virtually, can you please share it with us what you're most looking forward to? Well, I'm really excited to be in person this year, so it's going to be hard for me to share just one thing. Uh, through my involvement with the SAG, the Executive Committee, and the Emergency Preparedness Group, I got to interact virtually with a lot of colleagues that I didn't know really well in the past. Uh, Getting to know them through working on these various things really makes me excited to meet them in person. I'd like to have a cup of coffee with them. I want to interact with them during the networking sessions or even during an activity at an education session. The other thing I am looking forward to is really learning about le different leadership styles. I like to look at the various roles that others hold at mid-year or within the organization to see if it's something that I might be interested in in the future. I also like to watch the various leadership styles at the roundtable discussions and see how those people lead discussions. I think that's always an opportunity for me to learn, and that's much harder to do virtually than it is in person. I also like to get 
tips from other successful individuals because it helps me to improve and further refine my style and my skills. This year, I'll be watching those leaders in various meetings to get some leadership tips for my role, especially for next year. This is all much easier in person than it is virtually. That's all great tips for our listeners. Thanks, Nancy. We would like to um, go to our next question um, and see if you can all add tips for our audience um, that would be specific to students and the resident experience. Trying to think now that we've had virtual mid-year for the last couple of years, some residents and students have never experienced a PPS or showcase in person. So uh, I'm sure they will really benefit from having your experience um, that you can share with the group. Yeah, sure. I can jump on this one first. So I think obviously there is a wealth of experiences to take advantage of if you're a student or a resident at the mid-year clinical meeting. Uh, To me as a student um, and also as a new practitioner, I can definitely think back to how the residency showcase was very much a highlight. And with that highlight, I think it really makes sense to prepare for that showcase um, as much as you can to make sure that it is as useful to you as someone who might be new to the showcase or returning to the showcase uh, as possible. So to help with that, I would like to just shout out the ASHP Student Residency Guide, which is available on ASHP's website for members, because it has a few very helpful resources to do a number of things that I think can be beneficial. It can provide you with worksheets to help organize the programs that you are interested in based on a variety of factors that you can weight In addition to webinars that do a really nice job of describing specific ways to prepare for the showcase as well as for PPS. Uh, As far as general tips, though, for the showcase that that I can shout out right now would be first to know what you're looking for in a residency program by first knowing yourself and where you want to be, what your career goals are in the short and long term. And from there, you can use the ASHP residency directory to continue to narrow down your programs based on your must-haves and your cannot-haves list of features in a residency program. And then work in advance to identify the programs that you'd like to reach out to and speak directly to at the residency showcase. Learn more about those programs. Learn about what information is already accessible to you based on their websites and resources available online. And then spend some time thinking about the questions that you'd like to ask to learn more about what isn't available with the limited time available that you have at the showcase so that you can get a better idea of whether you think you'll be a good fit for that site and should apply to it. As far as PBS goes, I think that the New Practitioners Forum also has you covered. So I'll be bringing this account up a number of times in the podcast, but the ASHP New Practitioners Forum Twitter account Uh, which has a handle of at ASHP underscore NPF, very recently actually shared a five-part guide called Navigating PPS Tips and Tricks. And I would definitely promote that to anybody interested in learning more about PPS or becoming reaccustomed to in-person PPS for the upcoming mid-year. Those are all great tips for our audience. Nancy, do you have anything to add to that? You might have a little bit of different perspective um, to approach that question. Yeah, I think those are all great tips, Joe, and certainly those resources are great helps as well. And I have to do the disclaimer that I've really only been an interviewer at PPS. I have not been a resident interviewing, so I can provide some tips to students and residents in preparing for that interview, but coming at it from the other side. 
A very important thing that I can't stress enough is to be yourself. Yes, you might be trying to get a residency at that institution, but it really has to be a good fit for you to have a good year and for it to be successful. Being yourself will help both you and the site determine if that place is the right fit for you. And just like Joe said, make sure that you do your homework ahead of time so that you're familiar with the program. You don't need to know all of the details, but you should have some familiarity with it. And remember that as much as you are being interviewed by the site, you are interviewing them a little bit too to find out if it might be where you want to apply. Another thing that I'd like to talk briefly about that I think we don't touch on enough is some institutions have receptions that take place outside of PPS. And some people know about this and some people don't. It usually involves having some drinks, maybe some appetizers, but this is really an opportunity to interact with additional preceptors and leaders from that site and in a more casual environment. I think it's important for everyone to know that if you're invited to attend a reception, try your best to make it. Sometimes you have a competing demand, but even if you can only make it for a short period of time, it's important to show your face. You received that invitation for a reason. Um, they might want to interact a little bit more with you to see if it's a good fit um, or give you the opportunity to meet someone that might not have been at PPS. So remember, even though it's casual, it's still an interview and you should do your best to make it. The other tip that I have, and it kind of is regarding PPS, but it's about mid-year in general, is to make sure to enjoy yourself. That interview is going to be really stressful. Make sure you smile. Make sure you show that part of yourself when we're nervous. It's really hard to smile. So, you know, make sure that you do what you're supposed to do. Take a deep breath, relax, and, and let the interview kind of take its own shape. But be yourself and make sure that you enjoy yourself, not only at the interview, but just at mid-year in general. It's a great time to do something fun and to create great memories. That is all great tips. Thank you both Joe and Nancy for those great pieces of advice for our audience. Um, it was really helpful to hear two different perspectives regarding these events and returning to in-person. Um, we know another benefit of mid-year is the ability to network with colleagues. With mid-year being virtual, as we mentioned a few times in the past, um, we've already pointed out some ways that the experience is different um, being back in person. And in particular, how the experience has definitely changed for students and residents pursuing postgraduate opportunities, especially when we think about past in-person networking opportunities. Nancy, um, what can you share with those who may be new to mid-year um, to still get some networking in and make the most out of the experience? Yeah, you are so right, Brittany. Mid-year is a great opportunity to meet new people and to learn new ways of doing things. So if you haven't been to an in-person mid-year, it might seem a little daunting to start up a conversation with someone if you attend a roundtable, a networking session, or even an education session where you break out into small groups. So even though it sounds intuitive, make sure to introduce yourself to those around you. No one wants to be at a table with someone who either doesn't participate or even offer their name. You know, you might not have a lot to contribute to the conversation, but introducing yourself, saying where you're from, maybe if you don't feel that you have a lot to add to the discussion, maybe just say why you decided to come to it. Maybe you're interested in the topic and you don't know much about it. I think everybody really appreciates that 
piece if you share that. That way they they know to include you and and to maybe point out some different things that others in the group might know that you might not know. And if you don't know much about the topic, um, don't be afraid to attend. So sometimes we tend to only follow sessions or people, speakers that we like to hear speak, but try something new. Mid-year is a great way to kind of go out there and if you don't know much about a topic, put yourself at the seat, um, in that seat and have some discussions about it or just listen. So, so this is your opportunity to try something new. Roundtables are a great way to network with others. The smaller group meetings allow a little bit more time for discussion, and you can also learn what best practices others are doing. Uh, there might be a new way to do things that you haven't thought about for your site, and that way you can go back to your site and say, hey, I have this great idea that I heard at mid-year, and it talks mid-year up, and it makes you look good because you have a different perspective and a new way to do things. So I think those are important tips. Um, some of my some of my ideas that I've actually gotten from mid-year, I just want to share, have ended up as residency projects. So I, I think this is a great way for seasoned practitioners to take new ideas back to your site. So in those networking sessions, you can also be brainstorming for ideas for next year as well. Yeah, to, to jump in on that, Nancy, I think that is advice that I wish my younger self had heard and taken to heart, um, because I think that there are really awesome ways to network at in-person mid-year, especially if you're showing up and participating in those roundtable sessions. And I think that's an excellent transition to something I'd like to promote on the new practitioner side. So for new practitioners, we actually are going to have a new practitioners forum sponsored new practitioners networking roundtable session. And that'll be on Sunday, December 4th from 4 to 5 p.m. local time. In previous years, this has been a really fun way to meet fellow new practitioners from across the country and network with them in order to make conversation, learn more about um, what those fellow new practitioners to you are experiencing at their sites and at their personal stage in their career and how you all can get to know one another and maybe even exchange ideas about um, your respective experiences. So that's a specific new practitioner way to engage in those uh, awesome pearls of advice for roundtables that Nancy had mentioned. In addition, for just more details in general about new practitioner-specific opportunities at the mid-year clinical meeting and in general, again, the ASHP New Practitioners Forum social media accounts are really, really helpful sources to stay up to date on all things related to the New Practitioners Forum. Thank you for sharing that. Those are definitely great tips to keep in mind and definitely great events that I'm going to put on my schedule that I'm already preparing uh, for mid-year, uh, which brings us to our next topic, creating a schedule and how to make the most out of mid-year. Kind of thinking about what are some additional networking opportunities, tools, or resources that mid-year attendees can consider to get the most out of this experience. Joe, can you start us off with that, please? Yes, uh, definitely. So I think uh, one just huge important thing to know is that ASHP has a companion app called ASHP Live, which should be available if you're listening to this podcast and it's still before the 2022 mid-year clinical meeting or during it. And this app will show you the itinerary of all of the different sessions, roundtable, 
events, networking opportunities throughout the meeting. And so you can use that app not only to review that itinerary, but also keep track of your own schedule and add things to your own schedule in a very convenient way. And while we're on the topic of using technology and social media to help you throughout the meeting, I think it's really important to also keep in mind that you can use your own professional social media accounts just to have that additional way to keep in contact with all of your old friends, current colleagues, and new uh, colleagues that you interact with at the mid-year clinical meeting. So uh, make sure to update and keep active your professional social media accounts as best as you are able, if, if that's something you're interested in, so that you can use that to stay in contact with the individuals that you meet at the meeting um, after the meeting has been done. I love those ideas, Joe. And I can't talk more about the ASHP live app. I love that. <laughs> in fact, um, I, I look at it days in advance to plan my schedule, which is one of my recommendations for everyone is it's really important to come to mid-year as prepared as possible. For me, that means knowing what education and networking sessions I might want to attend. And I also like to schedule in a little bit of time to catch up with others that I might not have seen in a while or there could have been an email back and forth or something on ASHP Connect where there's some conversation that is way better done in person. So I, I like to schedule some time in for that as well. I really feel that ASHP has a lot of opportunities for both seasoned and the new practitioners at the mid-year meeting. The networking sessions are a great chance to meet other people with similar clinical or leadership interests. So if you're looking to connect with other ASHP members, please schedule those networking sessions into your time. It is a great way to start. And one thing that, you know, we we are very electronic now, but people still ask for business cards. So if you have a business card, make sure that you remember to bring those with you. If you haven't started packing yet, um, put that on your list. And if you started packing, make sure that you throw that into your, your luggage so that you have them. And as I said previously, mid-year is a great way to look at different volunteer opportunities and ask questions of those who are already involved in that role. Let's say that you're a resident who has a poster. You'll likely have a poster mentor who's going to come around and ask you some questions about your poster. So being a poster mentor is an excellent way to get involved in the ASHP mid-year meeting. Um, and it really doesn't take much time away from the meeting. In fact, it helps you to set aside time in your day to see the work that others have done and to schedule that mentoring into your, into your day. If you're already looking at what different ways to get involved with ASHP, but you're not sure what section or SAG you might like to apply for, I recommend that you attend some of the sessions created by the different groups that you're considering. This not only introduces you to the interests or topics that that group addresses, but it also provides an opportunity for you to interact with others in that group. When you attend an education, maybe a networking or a roundtable session, watch what the other leaders do and what the ASHP section, which ASHP section they belong to. It might help you to better understand what volunteer roles there are or help you identify what section or SAG interests you in the future. It doesn't even have to be the following year. It just kind of puts that, you know, pie in the sky for you. One may be a better fit for you than another, and mid-year is a great place to explore those opportunities. 
I also feel that mid-year is a really good way to watch over what other volunteer opportunities exist in the organization. Sometimes it helps provide a vision for the next few years for your career. Uh, for example, if you're interested in applying for a SAG, you can look on the ASHP website to find the SAG roster and then look at the mid-year website or look on the app to see if there are faculty that are presenting at any education sessions. Maybe you want to attend one of those sessions so that you can take a few minutes with them afterwards and just kind of pick their brain on on what they think might be a good fit for you. Maybe you have some pointed questions about that group that you'd like to ask. So look and see where they're presenting and, you know, approach them afterwards. If they don't have time right after the session, I am absolutely sure that they would carve out time for you after mid-year to catch up. And then, you know, I said earlier about making sure that you schedule some time in for fun, but make sure your calendar and your planning allows you to take time to eat and get coffee. You know, we can get really excited about all of the different sessions, excited about the different uh, networking sessions, but sometimes the lines can be long, especially if you're interested in the Starbucks. So it's important to kind of schedule that into your, into your day so that you have a little bit of downtime and you take care of yourself as well and schedule in that time for fun. So make sure that you have some playtime. Thank you both for sharing your experiences. I'm very confident the audience will benefit from this lively conversation. Now I'm excited to share with our audience some of our must-have, must-see sessions and give them a sneak preview of these sessions. Later on, we will have the opportunity to speak with some guests who are presenting SCSS-specific sessions. But before we get into that, I would like to just ask both of you, what are some sessions that you guys are most looking forward to? Well, I tend to be drawn to sessions that focus on my interests. I think most of us do. So I will be attending some sessions which focus on transitions of care, emergency preparedness, and DEI this year. I'm also looking forward to attending sessions about burnout. You know, it's so, so common now, and I really want to incorporate some new strategies and tools at our hospital, but I also want to find some things in that might help me avoid burnout in myself, especially with my new role and new responsibilities. I think it's always good to take a, a look at what am I at risk for and how can I help prevent it? I agree, Nancy. I think one of the benefits of going to such a comprehensive conference such as Mid-Year is that there really is someone something for everyone, or in this case, um, many different sessions that will really fit most people's interests. The other benefit of attending a meeting with such diverse content is really having the opportunity to also explore new areas that members may not be exposed to in their everyday environment. Joe, as a new practitioner, do you have any examples of times that you may have explored outside of your interests and attended different sessions? Yeah, uh, definitely. I can I can think of a few um, just based on your question there of a few, so I think some important uh, or some background on on my career interests would help contextualize this question. So um, I currently work in geriatrics and did residency uh, focused in just pharmacy practice as a PGY one and then internal medicine as a PGY two. Um, but I think that my experiences at mid year helped me to maintain knowledge on, and a bit more well rounded than I otherwise might be through giving me the chance to attend sessions that weren't immediately related to my growing area of specializing within internal medicine and then geriatrics. 
And a few sessions that come to mind that that fit that for me uh, are recalling one session that I attended and was really interested in regarding the management of refractory status epilepticus. And while that is a little bit more of a critical care slash emergency medicine area than I find myself interested in in my current practice, I think that a benefit from attending a session like that based on my interest was, again, just getting some exposure to clinical content that I might not otherwise have as deep of a knowledge of when it gets to things that are a bit more refractory or beyond first-line therapy. And in the moments that I was attending that session, I was grateful to have that insight uh, due to it being apart from something that I was specifically dedicating growing expertise in. Similarly, I think that uh, attending other sessions related to topics that I think are separate from, from my natural interests of wanting to get as much of new information regarding clinical updates has served me well. And so going out of my way specifically to attend sessions in the past that have to do with uh, personal developments, themes like wellness and like burnouts have definitely uh, helped me as well. And so I think that my main takeaway in this answer is to reinforce what you've suggested, which is to use the mid-year clinical meeting really to get out of your comfort zone, try to maintain a well-roundedness that you might not have the chance to get as easily elsewhere, and make sure to make note of the things that you have learned and are excited about at the meeting and with those sessions, because you just might find yourself incorporating them or developing in new directions when you get home from the meeting. Thanks, Joe. I think I agree. I think it's great to really be able to strike that balance of, you know, seeing things that really spark your interest and your areas um, of expertise, but then also stepping outside your comfort zone at times as well. Nancy, speaking of sessions that are within your area of interest, um, we are very excited for your session that you are moderating that is related to one of your areas of interest and expertise, Transitions of Care. Can you please share with the audience a little bit more about this session? Sure, Brittany. The session that I am moderating on Wednesday is called Medication Access When the Stakes Are High. This session is going to describe two transitions of care models. Uh, one of the speakers, Kristen Greeby, will share information on an electronic tool to communicate discharge medication access information. And then Monica Mahoney will share information on how to manage complex oral and outpatient parental regimens at care transitions. She'll be focusing on the role of the trainee in managing these patients. And then we also have a technician speaker, Tamika Wilson. She's going to share information on how technicians can be incorporated into different transitions of care models. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share also that this year's mid-year featured programming, you'll notice, falls into five main areas. And those really are diversity, equity, and inclusion, health and wellness, innovation, integrated informatics institute, an opioid crisis and pain control. So as you are looking at the different sessions, you'll notice many education opportunities in those areas. And some sessions are planned in cooperation with the section. And those include a section on discharge services, so innovative discharge services. I think that you have a speaker coming on about that later from Cedars-Sinai. And then on Sunday, there's a session called Secure Your Financial Footing When Climbing Your Pharmacist Career Mountain where the presenters will discuss compensation offers, including financial and non-financial 
components that are relevant to pharmacists. And then lastly, one of the other sessions I'd like to highlight is the congrats you matched. It's going to help dispel the rumor, which suggests the match is a scary process. Um, attendees are going to learn how, to, how the match really works, and they'll learn strategies to successfully navigate through the match and get some tips on what to do if you don't match. So if you have a student that is nervous about the match process, or maybe they don't fully understand it, it may be helpful for them to attend that session on Sunday. So certainly share that with your students. And if there are any students listening, I think you're going to feel a little bit better if you attend that session. Thank you so much, Nancy. I think that those are some awesome sessions to look forward to. And I'd also like to shout out a little bit of the scouting that we've done in terms of sessions that might be particularly or additionally relevant from a new practitioner's forum um, lens as well. Um, in addition to those sessions that are being featured and discussed by members of the SCSS. And one session that I'm excited to spotlight is one that I think will provide new practitioners with great insight in terms of managing some important career decisions as they evaluate where their career currently is, and especially when looking forward to where their career will be developing. So that session is called Secure Your Financial Footing When Climbing Your Pharmacist Career Mountain. And now I'll transition to Brittany to uh, focus on the next phase of our podcast. Yes. Thanks so much, Anne, um, for joining us today. Um, she will be our first guest. Anne, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and about you and your presenter's background and a little bit about what we can expect about from your presentation? Sure, absolutely. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Anne Nguyen. I'm currently the pharmacy manager in transitions and post-acute care at Harris Health System. Uh, outside of pharmacy, I have a passion for personal finance and financial literacy. So for this year, I joined effort with Dr. Bhavik Shah. He is an associate professor at Jefferson College of Pharmacy. And our session title is Secure Your Financial Footing When Climbing Your Pharmacist Career Mountain. And this is really gearing towards students as well as new practitioners as we'll be talking about different components offered during including both financial and non-financial components that are relevant to pharmacists, um, features and tax implications for employee benefit to enter a pharmacist career, especially as your first job, and also giving a very ca specific case study to kind of help discuss different features of employer-sponsored retirement accounts, including benefits and contributions. And the reason why we both want to present this presentation is because I feel like we both learned through um, experience, and I think it'd be really great for new practitioners and residents, and even for those who are taking a uh, first job or um, thinking about transitions into the new role, what are some benefits that you have to consider outside of salary and what are the different ways and strategies to help maximize your financial uh, gain as you're transitioned to a new role, either through promotions or changing job or from residents going into a new job um, for all those considerations. So we're very passionate and look forward to talking about our sessions. And I think this would be great for a um, variety of individuals, but I would say definitely for new practitioners and residents. Thanks so much, Anne. The financial side of your career and thinking about the financial ramifications of career decisions isn't something that we focus on during pharmacy school. This sounds like a topic that would be applicable to all members, regardless of where they are in their pharmacy career. I am definitely looking forward to learning more about this topic from you and Bavik. And our next session preview is with Snehal Bot, who is monitoring our clinical pearl session. 
It looks like there is a wide range of clinical topics presented in this session, so there's definitely something for everyone, and a session I am very excited for. Snayhawk, are you able to introduce yourself and highlight some of the topics that the panel will be discussing in more detail at this session? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm Snehal Botts, a professor of pharmacy practice at the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences and a clinical pharmacist at the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. I have to say that the Clinical Pearl session for me has always been one of my most favorite sessions. I always mark it on my calendar every single year, and I'm really kind of humbled to be moderating it now that we're live in person. And uh, just so everyone knows, the Clinical Pearl session is... Um, a series of five-minute presentations. Uh, so where else uh, will you get like 18 nuggets of clinical content relevant to your practice in one single session? Uh, as I said, they're five-minute presentations. And so, you know, they're really kind of quick, lighthearted, humorous. It's a very fun session. Amongst the 18 that are listed, some of my personal favorites that I'm looking forward to is things like VAD thrombosis, hep C, uh, yeast in the blood when choosing canokinins are risky, when benzodiazepines fail, herniate or extravasate, you know, the risks of uh, peripheral administration of 23.4% saline. That's a wide variety of topics all, you know, in one singular session. We also have a traffic light that guides our presenters on how they have to present within five minutes. So green light means they have plenty of time. Yellow light means they better speed up and end really quickly. And red light means I get to yank them off the stage, which hopefully I won't have to do this year. But like I said, two to four on Tuesday, uh, action-packed, great session. I hope you guys all mark it on your calendars. I'm looking forward to moderating it. Thanks, Nehal. That's a great opportunity to learn in such a short time frame. Uh, for more information on the clinical pearl session topics and bios of the speakers, please refer to the ASHP schedule online. Next up, we have Elise McDonald, an SSCS SAG member who is here to tell us more about her session titled Judging an Article Bias Cover, Assessing Bias in Primary Literature. Elise, thanks for joining us today. Can you please introduce yourself and your co-presenter? Thanks so much, Brittany, for having me today. Um, my name is Elise McDonald. I am Director of Pharmacy Services, specifically over our research pharmacies at Stanford Healthcare in Palo Alto, California. Um, I also present as faculty uh, for the board certification review and recertification course for oncology, uh, present the stats and research design section. And then my co-presenter for this topic is Emily Frederick. She's an associate professor at Sullivan University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in Louisville, Kentucky. And she is also a faculty member for uh, various recertification and review courses that uh, is hosted by um, ASHP for various BPS certifications. Thanks, Elise. I see that your presentation is part of the ASHP Board Review and Recertification Program. Do you mind just sharing with the audience a brief overview of this review and certification and how it really fits into the mid-year meeting? Definitely. Uh, great question. ASHP hosts various uh, activities for board certification throughout the mid-year meeting. Uh, for example, for review and recertification uh, for pharmacotherapy or BCPS, 
Uh, on Saturday and Sunday, December 3rd and 4th, uh, there will be a live pharmacotherapy review and recertification course over those two days, highlighting uh, various comprehensive review and pharmacotherapy, uh, discussing areas of public health and patient advocacy information, um, as well as uh, other educational materials uh, for taking that examination. And then um, also ASHP hosts clinical sessions and intensive studies packages. These, now these packages provide anywhere from four to six contact hours of recertification credit for activities approved by the Board of Pharmacy Specialties or BPS. Specifically, the clinical sessions are for the geriatric pharmacy certification, ambulatory care pharmacy certification, and the oncology certification. And then the intensive study sessions are certified for pediatric pharmacy, critical care pharmacy, and pharmacotherapy certifications. Those all sounds like great opportunities for our attendees and another way members can progress their professional development at mid-year. Elise, do you mind giving the audience a brief overview about what your session is going to go over specifically? For sure. Um, my session, uh, an Emily session, judging an article by its cover, assessing bias in primary literature, I know is everyone's most highly desired topic to attend at mid-year. Um, <laughs> But all joking aside, you know, it is it is a session that um, all pharmacists could uh, take some tips back into practice uh, as we all review literature every day. So our session is on Tuesday morning, December 6th at 8 to 930. Uh, specifically for recertification, our target target audience is for those individuals who uh, are certified in critical care, pediatric pharmacy, or pharmacotherapy, but you could also attend and receive ACPE credit for it as well. So our session, we will have a baseline assessment followed by a review of study designs and types of error in study methodology to set the stage uh, for our bias discussion. The discussion of bias will include types of bias, confounders, effect modification, and how to control for these concepts as well as how they may affect study results. We, Emily and I will incorporate case-based examples uh, to engage the attendees and so that we, we have some time together to really delve into an article and discuss some of the issues and, and how it may or how those issues may or may not affect your clinical judgment and taking, taking that information from the article uh, into your day-to-day -day, uh, practice. Thanks so much, Elise. I agree. I feel like pharmacists um, throughout anywhere within their career can really benefit from that session. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to it, and it sounds like a great session. So next, an additional session that we're going to be highlighting is one that's led by a new practitioner. Uh, this one is something that I think sounds very, very interesting, as all of the as all of our sessions do, of course. But it is on Sunday called TPA versus TNK, AMPC and SGLT2 inhibitors, an alphabet soup of therapeutic updates. So I'm happy to have Brooke here with us to share more about her session. Brooke, would you be able to introduce yourself and your co-presenters and tell us a little bit more about your presentation? 
Sure. So my name is Brooke Barlow. I am currently a neurocritical care and trauma ICU pharmacy specialist at Memorial Hermann the Woodlands Medical Center in the Woodlands, Texas. I'm super excited to bring this new practitioner's session on these therapeutic updates with my co-presenters. So I have two PGY2 critical care residents. We have Ariana Boudre Nunn, who is a PGY2 critical care resident at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. She's going to be discussing the recent therapeutic updates with SGLT2 inhibitors in the management of patients with heart failure and really highlighting the new guidelines that were published by the American College of Cardiology and American Heart Association in 2022. The second presenter that we have is Zaneeb Hassan, who is a PGY2 critical care resident in pharmacy practice and leadership in the VA and Eastern Colorado healthcare system. She will be presenting on the 2021 guidelines and therapeutic updates in AMP-C beta-lactamase producing enterobacterialase organisms, which I knew we all commonly see in practice. And I was amazed by some of the therapeutic updates within this guideline that are relevant to various aspects of, of our in, inpatient care of these patients. And then finally, my presentation will be on the updates on the use and clinical practice with transitioning from alteplase to tenecteplase for patients with acute ischemia stroke. I know several institutions out there, including my own, are planning to make this transition um, from alteplase to tenecteplase. So we're really going to be discussing some of the literature to support this transition, as well as some practical implications for the pharmacist when planning uh, phases within your own institution for how to safely implement this transition in your, into clinical practice. So this is going to be kind of a quick 20-minute clinical pearl session per each of us, but we're really excited to bring kind of an interspecial you know, subspecialties, various different subspecialties, and some residents to discuss these therapeutic updates. Thanks, Brooke. We look forward to you and your programming. So our last mid-year sneak peek is with Hai Tran and her session on innovative discharge services. So Hai, can you please introduce yourself and your colleagues to share a brief overview on what attendees can expect from your session? Yes, uh, my name is Hai Tran, Associate Director of the Drug Use Policy Antimicrobial Stewardship and the Clinical Pharmacy Prior Authorization at Cedar sinai Medical Center, Los Angeles. Joining me are two speakers uh, also from Cedar sinai Medical Center. Uh, the first speaker is Dr. Rita Shane, Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer, who has received multiple national awards, including the ISMP Lifetime Achievement Award, the Whitney Award. Uh, she collaborated with the former Senator uh, Jeff Stone on a new law that requires pharmacy staff to obtain medication histories on the high-risk patients admitted to hospitals in California. The second speaker is Dr. Donna Leanne, Medication Safety and Transitional Care Program Manager. In the last five years, she has coordinated a Transitional Care 15-hour certificate program in collaboration with the California Society of Health System Pharmacists. Through this program, we will share innovative strategies in utilizing technologies and existing resources to enhance transitional care services in high-risk patients. Up to 70% of the patients have errors on their medication list when they are admitted to hospital. Most of these medication errors originate from the medication histories, and if it's not corrected, it will continue during the admission and at discharge. The review of medication uh, at discharge by pharmacists has demonstrated a reduction in readmission. And pharmacist is the most knowledgeable provider who can assist the physicians with the medication selection, implement clinical plan, improve the patient outcomes, the patient's transitions from the acute care setting to home. 
At the end of the session, attendees will able to uh, define high-risk patients and learn strategies to expand transitions of care services and prepare for the 2024 mandatory participation of Medicare and Medicaid bundle payments. Dr. Shane will kick off the discussion of processes to support patient safety across the transitions of care in high-risk patients. I will then follow in providing information on Medicare and Medicaid bundle payments for care improvement advance, which were designed to test whether linking payments for an episode of care can reduce Medicare expenditure while maintaining improving quality of care. Participants in this program are financially accountable for the cost and quality of healthcare services during an episode, which begins with the hospitalization or an outpatient procedure and ends 90 days after discharge or procedure. While the participation is optional at this time, mandatory participation is planned for 2024. I will also go over the process in implementing strategies to enhance pharmacy services. Dr. Donna Leanne will wrap up the session with metrics and approach to demonstrate the value of pharmacist-led transitional care program and potential pharmacy resources to support the growth of the program. The attendees will actively determine the potential harm of the drug-related problems identified based on the crosswalk of the National Coordinating Council for Medication Error Reporting and Prevention, or NCC MERP Index for characterizing the severity of harm of medication errors. The case studies and strategies will provide throughout the session. Thank you. It sounds like a wonderful program that your institution has put into place and positively impacted patient care and learner experiences. So I can definitely understand why that would be a very, very exciting session to attend to learn all about. Listeners, we've reached the end of our episode. I wanted to thank all of our guests for joining us today to discuss how we can make the most of our in-person mid-year experience and sharing their mid-year sessions. There is still time to plan your schedule for attending the awesome upcoming sessions, including those highlighted today. And please make sure to take advantage of all of the in-person networking with former and current classmates, colleagues, and new friends. I am looking forward to meeting even more of our speakers and listeners as well in Las Vegas. If you enjoyed today's content, please be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more topics on innovation, leadership, therapeutics, and more. Safe travels, and I'll see you at Vegas. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.